radio. So what does epiphany mean? Epiphany means a kind of revelation, a manifestation. So as I said at the beginning, this is marking that moment when Jesus was shown to the whole world, if you like, represented by these wise men from the East, traditionally uh, thought to be kings to the Magi. And that's why St. Paul is saying to those Ephesians that pagans now share the same inheritance. So pagans, the, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, are now invited into the promises of God in Jesus Christ. They are one with us. Jesus came to save us all. And these wise men that we think about on this feast teach us something. What's the proper attitude before Jesus Christ? What's the proper disposition? Well, it's worship. It's homage. And why are the wise men seeking the infant king of the Jews? Well, they say to Herod, we want to go and pay him homage. We want to worship him. Worship is the natural response of a creature to its creator. It's the right response. It's a wonderful response. That's why when we gather and we worship God, when we praise God, we kneel before God. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. And wonderful things are happening because of it. But sometimes people get the wrong idea about worship. So they imagine God to be a bit like a kind of insecure tyrant, you know. So, yes, come and worship me because my self-esteem is not too good. Come and worship me because I really need you to feel better about myself. But the truth is that God doesn't need anything. It's the definition of God. God is perfect. God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. He created everything out of nothing, and God didn't need any of it. And that's really good news. Why is that good news? Because it doesn't sound like good news at first. God doesn't need you, you know? <laughs> sounds like you're not important, you know? It sounds like you're a waste of space. But believe me, stick with me. It's, that's, not, that's not the truth. That's not the conclusion. No, the fact that we don't, that God doesn't need us means that he must just want us. He must just want to love us. That the only reason, the only reason that God has for creating us is to share his divine life with us, to share his eternal life with us, to share his love with us. And that's why it's really good news because we realize in that fact how much God must love us and the nature of God. The God who needs nothing desires to share his, out of his abundant goodness. It's all free gift. It's all grace. So that means that when we worship God, then what's happening? So we're directing this praise to God. We're directing this worship to God. And it's like it's reflecting back because God doesn't increase through it. God wants us to worship him because we increase through it. Because we are blessed. Because we are changed. We are transformed 
through homage, through worship, through acknowledging God as God. So who knows then the blessings of those wise men who laid down those gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh? Who knows how blessed they must have been after that gift that they made to our Lord, after what they laid down before him? And those gifts really are charged with meaning, aren't they? Because they're fairly strange gifts when you think about it. If you've ever gone to a kind of baby shower, you know, if you brought gold, frankincense and myrrh, I think they might be looking at you thinking, hmm, that's interesting, you know. <laughs> put that in a cupboard somewhere. Um, maybe not the gold, I can cope with that, but, you know. The frankincense, uh, maybe, you know, have a few, you know, um, incense lamps, you know, things like that, but... They are interesting gifts, and each one of them is charged with meaning. So gold, we know for a king, you know, because Jesus, of course, is not just any king. Jesus is the king of kings. As we approached Advent, we celebrated that wonderful feast, Jesus Christ, king of the universe. So Jesus is the king, and that means that he has to have first place. He has to have first place in our life. Whenever we talk about um, getting rid of idols, we're talking about getting rid of things which take the throne of God in our souls. We're talking about getting rid of attachments that keep us away from God. And many things can do that. Many, many things can do that. Many things we set up in place of God and we distort our worship but we are meant to worship the King of Kings. He is meant to be enthroned in our hearts and he won't suffer any other co-rulers. He won't suffer any other people or things or ideas to be on the throne with him. Why? Because he knows that he is the one desire of our hearts. I think um, Jess talked about the other day the chasm that is in, in us that chasm desiring infinite love. And only Jesus can fill that. Only God can fill that chasm within us because he made us, because he, cre he created us. We're made to run on God. You know, if you try to put um, diesel in a, a petrol car, uh, I'm led to believe it's not a great effect. Um, I know for a fact there were some nuns, not these ones, um, but so, some nuns who, who did that once and it, it didn't go well. The car spluttered and died, you know, after, after they turned it on. So if we try to sort of run on anything other than God, if we try to kind of feed ourselves with something that's not meant to satisfy us and we ignore God, then we end up starving and thirsty, begging for God, begging for the thing that actually gives us peace, or the person, I should say, that gives us peace. So the Lord has to be the king of kings. We can't have any idols. We can't worship at other altars. We can't worship false gods. And then frankincense. Well, frankincense is something that we associate with prayer, isn't it? When we have incense at mass, that's symbolic of our prayers rising up to the Father, the prayer of Jesus Christ that we join in with at Mass is going up to the Father and all our prayers, all our intentions are united with that prayer of Jesus 
to the Father. And then this gift of myrrh. That must have been almost the most disturbing present to receive because myrrh is used to anoint dead bodies, you know? So visiting this manger in Bethlehem, it's as if we have already the shadow of the cross on the manger. But actually, much more than that, because it's not just about Jesus' death, it's about his resurrection. You know, in one of the um, rosaries we were praying the other day, we were bringing to mind the empty tomb and how the women brought spices, substances to anoint the body of Jesus. And what do you know? Jesus wasn't there. Jesus was risen. Jesus is risen. So at the same time as being, being a reminder of the fact that Jesus came into the world to die, to sacrifice himself for us, there's also the reminder that he is risen, that he has conquered death, that he has conquered sin and will conquer it in our lives too. So we should never fear in laying anything at the feet of Jesus. We need to lay our whole life there because God is never outdone in generosity. You know, whatever we give to him, he takes from us, he multiplies and he gives back. There is a huge fruitfulness when we really trust in the Lord. But we see that in the gospel, there's also a baddie. There's King Herod. King Herod, who is perturbed when he hears the words of the wise men. They've come to pay homage to this infant king of the Jews. So Herod sees Jesus as a threat. Herod sees Jesus as a threat to his kingdom. Now, in a sense, Herod is stupid for that because Jesus isn't interested in territory. He's not interested in an earthly kingdom. But in another sense, Herod should be a bit fearful because Jesus has come to destroy everything that Herod and every other tyrant throughout the history of the world has stood for. He's come to defeat the devil. He's come to defeat evil. He's come to give us hope. He's the light shining in the darkness and the darkness has not been able to overcome it. Herod isn't like the wise men, traditionally kings. He has no humility. He doesn't know that his ultimate master is Jesus Christ. He doesn't know that he must bow down also before this king, before it's too late. There's a, a painting of the scene of the wise men visiting Jesus known as the Adoration of the Magi. It's another way to think of what is happening in this scene. The wise men are coming to Bethlehem, the house of bread. They are kneeling in adoration before Jesus Christ. One of the, the things close to my heart is to point people to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. So in Leeds Diocese in the UK where I'm from, we're, we're trying to kind of create a culture of adoration because there's, there's not yet that kind of um, running forward to volunteer for the 24-hour perpetual adoration chapel. But we're hoping to get there one day. And you know, 
the blessings of adoration are, are so many. You know, you talk to the sisters about the fruits of it, of their community, speak to the service team about it. Jesus is so generous and works miracles from the Eucharist when we spend time with him in front of him. There was a king of Belgium, King Bedouin, who used to sit for three hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament, in front of the Eucharist every day. And he would liken it to sitting in the sun. And you know, if you sit in the sun, which you're a bit more familiar with than in the UK, um, <laughs> you hopefully get a tan. And in fact, if you spend too long, you can get burnt. But leave the, leave the burning image for, for a moment. Just assume the tan, because the tan is a good thing, or at least, you know. Some cultures, I know we've had conversations about that. Um, so when we spend time in, in front of Jesus, there's an objective good that's happening. There's an objective transformation that even when we're not as present to him perhaps as we should be, that Jesus is doing us good. He radiates love. He radiates grace. And he transforms us. So if I could have one prayer, one desire for a fruit of this mission school, I would say, for those of you who don't have adoration readily available in your parishes, perhaps you could gather together with other people and go and knock on the priest's door and say, Father, we really want this. And the priest will have two shocks. One, that there's some young people at his door <laughs> asking for something. And the second shock will be that they're asking to adore the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And I have a feeling that he will, even if he's not too um, enamored about the idea of um, exposing the Blessed Sacrament for you, that he might give in with perseverance and with prayer. But I really think that's what God is asking of us in today's world in order to start to transform it. Because it's when we spend time at the feet of the Master in adoration of Jesus that all sorts of wonderful things start to happen. All sorts of wonderful epiphanies start to happen in our own life. We see things that we did not see before. We see things that need healing. We receive um, promptings to pray for things. We receive great graces of knowledge, of insight. Wonderful, wonderful things. Um, I remember and being in front of the Blessed Sacrament once. And um, my friends, I have these Spanish friends who basically got no money. Um, and they were being kicked out of their, um, their accommodation and they were looking for somewhere to live. And I was really thinking, gosh, what are we going to do? You know, I couldn't put them up in my house. And it's a whole family. Um, and I was in sort of adoration thinking this over. And the solution just kind of came out of nowhere came out of nowhere and I thought wow that sounds a bit crazy but it might work you know I had the idea of this specific house and the, the great thing is this house was in a place where they could like go to daily mass they could do things like uh, they wanted to to help um, people in some way so they could go and help a little nursing home that was just at the end of their drive it was really close to the the curial offices it, it was just the ideal place for people who had faith and who prayed and sure enough, you know, as soon as I, I phoned up the people responsible, it was great. It was like, yes, we, we need a family in there. We need rents. You know, we need to make this work. And in 24 hours, you know, that, that problem was gone. And that's what can happen for us, you know. 
Another thing I, I asked the Lord once was, um, why do people not care? Why do people not seem to care? You know, I was struggling a bit with the fact that you can sometimes be, you know, in a parish and it seems like everyone would rather be somewhere else. And it, it can be a bit discouraging um, for the priest as well as anyone else in, in the parish. And I said, you know, what, what do you do, Lord? What do you do when people don't care? And you know what the answer was? The answer that came back to me was, you love them. You love them. And it's the theme of our mission school. You know, love, love one another. And when we love, and, and God, God said this to me as well, he said, love as I love. Love when people are ungrateful, when people don't care, when people look the other way. Pour out your love upon them because it's love that transforms people. It's love that makes people open. So let's resolve to spend time at the feet of the infant king of the Jews because Jesus Christ wants to transform our lives and through us wants to transform the lives of our parishes, our countries. I think we have to think big. I think we have to have hope. And there's so much hope in this room. You know, there's a reason that a, a random priest from Leeds comes back for a second time. <laughs> Millions of miles, it seems, you know, away from where he's from, you know, and misses the whole of Christmas tide in his parish um, to come here. And it's because I see in you tremendous hope for the church. I see tremendous things happening in Australia, yes, but actually in the whole world, because I think that something big is starting here. I think that something is gaining momentum in our church. And it's often when things seem difficult, you know, in the history of the church, we see this again and again, when things have seemed very difficult and a little bit dark and a little bit hopeless, God raises up amazing saints, amazing people who change the world. And it only needs your yes, because God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will change things through you. So let's resolve in our heart to come and adore the Lord. Let's resolve in our heart to let him through us change the world. Amen. As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate.